Welcome to the Donkey Kong Artist Podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. First off, very nice of you to spend your day with us. Uh, I am Patrick Shanley, one of your hosts. Joining me is my best friend, Edmund Arnold. Edmund, how are you doing? I'm alright. I'm doing fine. How are you? Just a lot of a lot of looking at people trying to see if they're replicants or not. Have you... I mean, I can't trust anyone right now. Just saw Blade Runner, so it's hard. How much of your weekend has been spent looking at a screen? Because following you on Twitter is just like, I went to this movie, and then you went into a dark hole of Nintendo Switch gameplay. My weekends are always in front of a screen. I'm like a two-year-old toddler being raised in 2017. I'm always in front of a screen, nonstop. <laughs> so I went from PlayStation 4, Friday night, I got some Destiny in, then I went straight into my Switch because they released a whole bunch of indie games this week. So I purchased SteamWorld Dig 2, Stardew Valley again. I think it's like my third time purchasing Stardew Valley. It's a good game. And it's worth buying it three different times. It's a fantastic game. That's why I bought it three different times. And then I think I bought um, Thimbleweed Park, which is a fun little adventure game that was released, I think, a couple weeks ago on Switch. So I'm, I'm bulking up my Switch library. That last one sounds like a quaint little neighborhood in like London. Come on, it is man, it's a... Thimbleweed Park, love. I actually think you would like this game. It is an adventure point-and-click murder mystery Ew. that is pretty pretty meta it's pretty funny has a lot of jokes in it huh. i've laughed multiple times um i've only played like a couple of hours but i've been enjoying it well so, i do love murder it does murder's fun right <laughs> i think we've said that before on this podcast yeah murder's awesome i love violence uh, so. well speaking of violence uh our guests this week are involved in a very violent video game that is something I'm excited for, but also something that's causing a bit of controversy, which is in itself causing even more controversy. And that's uh, Wolfenstein 2, uh, the new Colossus. We had the stars Brian Bloom, and I'm going to butcher this woman's name, and I apologize, Nina Franizek, who plays uh, Frau Engel. Uh, Brian Bloom, of course, plays BJ Blazkowicz, who's the main character of the games. He's also the voice behind a lot of really awesome characters in video games and pop culture for a very long time. Yes, he's actually also the voice of one of my favorite video game characters ever, Varric, from um, Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age Inquisition. Look at So that. it was very interesting to hear you interview him. But, um, I love this controversy around Wolfenstein, where I believe that people are getting offended because Wolfenstein's Twitter account tweeted something out like, make Nazis afraid again, or something like, what, what was the exact, the exact line, line used? was, make America Nazi free again, but it's basically the same message, yeah. Number one, has America ever been Nazi free? And number two, <laughs> why is that controversial? Right? So, oh my gosh. The only controversy I can see is that they use Trump's slogan. You know, so like, they're equating Trump to Nazis, which has already happened so many times at this point that like, it's not even... Like, this is not anything new that's happened in the last couple months or this year. But then also, like, why is shooting Nazis controversial? <laughs> like, you should be... Like, you, you're, you're shooting Nazis in every Call of Duty game. Alright, is it Nazis or is it... Yeah, you are, you're right. You're, you're shooting a lot of Nazis in Call of Duty games. But I don't think any marketing scheme has ever, like, taken active. Come over here and shoot Nazis. And, apparent, and it seems like America right now is taking a really, like defend all Nazis at all costs stance right now. Like, they really get to, they really get to say what they want to say also, because this is a land of fr the free. Right. So, so... I think we're caught in... This is what happens when you have uh, culture wars, or when we play identity politics, is that it opens doors that are really hard to shut, or even understand if you're supposed to shut it. You know, if people are free to protest certain things, then people are also free to be Nazis. I despise them, but they're free to do it, I guess. But I don't understand why we'd have a controversy around it. Like, I don't want to get to a point where being anti-Nazi is a controversial statement. Well, it seems like America's taking a really, like, we're going to be the place to defend Nazis, right? So Yeah, and I don't, I, that is not what I want to be as an American. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what America was set out to be, right? A land of the free, home of the brave. Right. So, if I want to go ahead and I want to, you know, tout my white nationalist views it is my you right personally do that too 
No, I no, absolutely not. Personally, I don't want to get into it because I I don't want to push people away from the podcast. Right. I, you know? I, I, listen, you get politics at literally everywhere, everywhere else in the world. So. Everywhere, dude. This like, is just a particular thing that is related to a video game. We happen to have the people on today, but it, it yeah. is. It's just uh, we live. And in I, I wonder, you know, and this I'm getting off topic a little bit. We got to we're going to bring it back. Um, I went to see Blade Runner this weekend, right? Uh-huh. And I'm looking at the numbers. Blade Runner's doing particularly not it's not doing well at all for the they're budget calling, that it is yeah it was a yeah, huge budget it's not really doing well at all so I'm, it made me wonder has politics taken over so much that people can't even see a movie like blade runner because blade runner requires you to actively think during your two hours and 45 minutes of sitting there and are we to the point where we only want to see movies where we have to turn it everything off that's why it's so why these marvel movies and why these dc movies are making so much money because you really don't have to think about them. Right. You're really just going to see a superhero pummel someone. And you also, you already know the plot and the ending of the film before you even go into the film. Yeah, so I, I guess my big question is, and we'll, we can get back to Wolfenstein, but is the political landscape affecting basically the consumption of media overall? So is this marketing strategy going to push people away from Wolfenstein? Are these are, are people constantly talking about politics and, you know, we're always being engulfed in political just nastiness left and right all right. all the time. Is that pushing people away from going to see movies that require you to think? You know what I'm saying? Like absolutely. I also when think do it's, we have time to turn off turn off our brains anymore. Right. I also think it's particularly interesting to see. You know, Wolfenstein hasn't come out yet as of when we're recording this. It comes out on the 17th of October. This is the 8th of October when we're speaking right now. Uh, so we'll see. How Wolfenstein is, ex- or how the how the public accepts or reacts to Wolfenstein's release, because this is, it's an odd game for many reasons. It is very, it's oddly political charged right now. I do not think when they were making it, because it takes so long to make a game, that they'd have any idea when they released it that it would be like this. Uh, and then second off, it's also a really old franchise. I mean, Wolfenstein has been around. I think it, the first game came out in like the eighties. Of the, in the Wolfenstein franchise. I believe so, yeah. So, I mean, it already um, has brand recognition to it. I mean, then this is the third or fourth in, like, this new updated Bethesda and Machine Games iteration of Wolfenstein. Yeah, and, and, it, and it was never controversial before, right? Right, so, no, ever, right? I don't think so. And Brian made a really good point, Brian Bloom, in your interview, where he mm-hmm. goes, like, he said Wolfenstein, and we may have... We have different opinions on how this game is pronounced. But he basically says, Wolfenstein, the Nazis were always the bad guys, right? So why is it controversial all of a sudden is my big thing. Like, Wolfenstein, since his debut in 1981, you've always been targeting Nazis, killing Nazis in brutal ways. Because Wolfenstein has always been a very violent game by its standards compared to standards of other games released during this, at the same time. And, you've, you know, Nazis have always, notoriously, they've always been villains to the American people. Right. Growing up, it was just, growing up in history class, that was the number one villain that you learn about are Nazis. So, where did this change happen? Was it, that's my big thing. It's like, where, and why are we bringing controversy to a game where where this has been the standard since 1981? Right. It's just madness. I mean, and the last one came out in 2015, 2014, and that one didn't have any controversy. That was two years ago. Like, what happened in two years? And you were, like, shredding Nazis up in that game. Like, you were just annihilating Nazis, taking off body parts, and... I don't know, it, even if... It makes me think, like, if Mafia 3 was released in this type of landscape, would Mafia 3 even be released right now? Because you were essentially killing, like, clan members and racists. Right. They, weren't, they didn't even have that Nazi identity tag, uh, you know, tag to them, so... Yeah, because that's more, that's more American... You know, even in this, when you're fighting Nazis in these Wolfenstein games, they're not—they're not American Nazis. They're German Nazis, like Nazi Nazis, not like neo Nazis. I love how we have to distinguish. We have Nazi Nazis and fake Nazis are real Nazis. This isn't a right? garden variety Nazi. And that's a good point that you bring up too. It, where I, I got to remember, I think I'm pretty sure that the first game was taken was taking place in. Where was the first game taking place? I think it was taken. I think it was in the states, was it? The, the new order, the, the one that was released in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, the I'm not mo- talking about the nineteen eighty one one. Gotcha. So the most recent one. 
Yeah, I can't remember. I played the hell out of that game and I beat it, but I can't remember exactly. I think you were in London. You might I be. I think you were in London. Yeah. So essentially, you weren't even fighting Nazis in your homeland. It's. Uh, so yeah. You're right. There's like there's that big big difference of like fighting real Nazis. <laughs> and fighting neo-Nazis. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, we're laughing because it's just, at least to me, so it's stupid. ridiculous. It's yeah, so it's, it's just so yeah. stupid. It's, it's just madness to me. Regardless of whatever the controversy is, the game looks insane. Like, just the... If you have not watched it, go and watch the trailer of Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus right now. The one from E3 or any of the other ones that have come out. It's just bananas. There's so much crazy stuff going on in these games. You're... It might be the first first-person uh, wheelchair segment I've ever seen in a first-person shooter, where you're in a wheelchair shooting Nazis. Well, that first game kind of... Well, not the first game. I need to quit saying the first game. Well, the New Order, basically, for me, it kind of revived first-person shooters, because first-person shooters were doing the same thing over and over and over again. You were putting these large-scale situations. Nothing was really focused. Mm. And everything was just like these large-scale battles. Wolfenstein really focused everything, and it brought linear, path-focused, first-person shooters back, in my opinion. And there hadn't been one done this well in a long, long time. So it makes me happy to see that first-person shooters going back to the old, like, 90s-style first-person shooters. You know, I'm I'm glad you said that because lost in all of this, like, controversy talk is actually what the game itself is like. And the game itself is like, it's... The first first-person shooter in a while that is focused on a single-player adventure, as opposed to, uh, we tack on a single-player part, but really you're here for the multiplayer. This is the opposite of that. Wolfenstein, you're supposed to be playing the story and playing, the, playing through it. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah, Bioshock is the, the first one that stands out of my mind when I'm thinking about, like, recent ones in the past. Yeah, Bioshock Infinite, Infinite was mm. fantastic. That was a really good one. Um, I, Duke Nukem... Was terrible. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Deus Ex. That was, you know, that was okay, but it was very hard for a lot of people to get into that type of game. It was very. It's an RPG essentially. It's an RPG. Right. Um, and I think Wolfenstein was an action. No RPG elements. It's just very action oriented, built around a very strong story. So it was very nice to get my hand on a game like that again. Right. It's where also, it wasn't multiplayer focused, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you said. Absolutely. It's also just fun, you know, like first person shooters have gotten like heavy and like especially with Call of Duty games, man. Like there's sequences where like you're mowing people down in an airport and like you're like really fighting like horrible like depictions mm-hmm. of war. Sure, it can be fun, I guess, and like there's fun aspects of it, but it's a little bit too real for me sometimes. And this game is yeah. just, it's over the top, it's a video game, it's like a blockbuster, it's fun, it's cool. Yeah, and we're getting there again, right? Yeah. Um, we had that Wolfenstein, we had Doom, which was a phenomenal first-person shooter as well. We also had, like you said, Bioshock Infinite, which I think was released like five years ago. God, we're old. So, there's one more that I'm forgetting about that was also pretty big... Far Cry's our Far Cry series, duh. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so, like, oh my god, you know, we have we have a lot of like first person shooters that are not multiplayer focus, story based focus that really engrosses you into the world. And I think we need to see more of that rather than these destinies, these Call of Duties, these battlefields, these battlefronts. Did I forget one? No, I mean we have too just many of them. Battle in any random noun, it'll probably <laughs> be a first person shooter somewhere. Battle Quake, Battle Born. Oh, I actually said one. Battle Oasis, Battle Destiny. Like, yeah, you can do it in. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Battle Lamp, Battle Chair, Battle Path Sneaker, Battle Airlines, Battle Underground. I'm just Battle Airlines about, like, sounds like an awesome game. I'm totally playing. Yeah, that. Battle Airlines sounds dope. Oh, okay. You just fly around in a Southwest jet and try and shoot down all the JetBlue. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. There you so, go. Another play. game idea for you. That sounds like a great game. Hot off the press. I would play that. Thanks, it was man. very awesome to hear Brian Bloom and... Oh, God. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I lost her name. Um, my bad. I can tell it to you, but I feel like... Hold on. Let me... I gotta, like, look at it. Let me redo this. Okay, yeah, so it was very interesting to hear, like, Brian Bloom 
and Nina France Fran, Fran, Fran I'm, I'm oh my gosh Fran help me out here Fran Ozick? Uh, that's how I say it I really don't know I'm not German Nina Fran I'm so sorry Miss Nina I'm sorry I know she was so kind and came on <laughs> you have to understand that the United States we don't we don't learn other languages so our pronunciation for just we just can't do it I'm sorry I apologize don't blame me blame our education system so it was actually nice to hear them talk about how much passion they have for these characters specifically Brian because he seems like he's like really in the playing BJ and for me BJ really sold that story I, there wouldn't be any new order without those characters those characters were just so good just from BJ to Anya to Irene to every everything about those characters were fantastic so it's I'm excited to see a second one. It'd be nice to see some character development. I hope that we go that route. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm just really excited. That yeah. The new order was just done so well. Voice acted very well. The story was just very engaging. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm really ready. Okay, joining me now are the stars of the upcoming game, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, Brian Bloom, and Nina Franizek. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. <laughs> uh, all right, well, first off, we're getting close to the launch, and I always wonder if these are exciting times or are these like nerve-wracking times as we get closer and closer to when that game actually is released to the public. Well, you know, for me, it's always interesting and exciting uh, to know that um, when people are responding to the work and responding, um, you know, f for all kinds of reasons to what you're doing, um, uh, particularly when they're the right reasons, when they're enjoying what they're seeing, when they're intrigued, when they're compelled, when they find it provocative, when when they when they think it's going to be awesome and exciting, and and maybe you're. Uh, you know they're anticipating um, the product. Uh, that, that's um, you know that always that always feels good, and um, there's kind of an energy exchange there, even if it's not direct. But when you get around folks uh, at, at cons, or even start to see billboards and signs of uh, you know the game all over the internet and things, it, it you know it's great. Um, people put in a lot of hard work in uh, many different countries and many different disciplines and areas of specialization, hoping that they would uh, make something awesome that would uh, be entertaining as hell and um, and be fun to play uh, and work and function. Those are big things. Our game's going to do all those things, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, you said the word provocative, and I can't think of a better word for a game like this, particularly right now. Um, just from the little bit that's been seen, it's already sparked a lot of, and controversy isn't the right word, but a lot of reaction definitely from people. Because uh, for whatever reason, uh, Nazism seems to be a <laughs> an issue that has reared its head again. Uh, so what is it about this game? Is it... Are, are you wary to step into this type of world? Uh, I mean, obviously, we're on the side of anti-Nazism in this game, uh, but also you're dealing with a lot of heavy issues that are particularly relevant today. What's that like to navigate as a as a performer? For, for me, you know, as a as a as a performer, as you uh, said there at the end, um, you know, this is a role that I've been playing for quite some time. Had the, had the privilege and, and honor of, of playing for quite some time, and. Um, and when you're at the front of the tunnel on something like this, I think for a lot of people on this kind of a, of a project that uh, when it started was kind of a reboot of something that was a seminal title, um, integral to, uh, you know, games and a lot of people's history and association with the video game. Mm. Um, and that video game offered a really simple promise of a premise that was, you're going to shoot the bad guys. And uh, the way we're going to help kind of move that story along is you're going to associate those bad guys with some bad guys that have existed in history. And and that's the fantasy. And in many ways, um, although it is magnified with the mechanics, systems, features, and incredible narrative and performances and, and all of this kind of handshake between technology and the elements that have moved gaming forward in the audience, uh, we, we are still making that. Uh, they are, st we, I am still a part of, as far as I know, you know, that premise. And um, so the place that it may be crossing 
a moment in time here, uh, I, I think is maybe, uh, to me, it's the only thing it really has in common with anything in history is that Nazis have existed and they were bad guys. And I hoped and think and thought and still do that we all agree, like right. you said, that uh, those are the bad guys. And it's, it's um, we don't really live in a binary world anymore. Um, and Patrick, you know what I think uh, from my standpoint, and it's nice that you can jump uh, behind the barrel and be B.J. Blaskowitz and things can get, although it's complex, it's not complicated. And he can, uh, you know, through his sort of barrel and sensibilities and uh, belt-fed diplomacy, um, do his best to solve this problem. Absolutely. Um, so, so that, you know, it's awesome to be involved in that. And wherever it crosses with what's happening, um, that's not what we were making or I was doing when I put the dots on. Uh, I'm, you know, we're making the fantasy of B.J. Blaskowitz and how good it feels to skin up as that guy that's the, uh, you know, the, the promise that wasn't kept, which is, um, you know, no retreat and no surrender. But he doesn't mean that in this kind of macho, two-dimensional you know, paper tiger kind of a way. Um, uh, he, he uh, you know, I hope we're portraying and conveying a guy that's got a lot more dimension there, and um, he cares not just because it's cool to shoot bad guys, although that's fun and you can play that way, and it's awesome. And the <laughs> game will meet the game will meet you right there. But um, there's some really interesting folks and some really interesting problems and conflicts and puzzles to solve. You know, BJ's a broken man inside and out, <laughs> and um, and he can't do it alone, and he needs a team, uh, and he always has, and that's, even that is difficult for him um, to face, and as he becomes weaker and less uh, from just fighting and, you know, putting that mileage on his soul and on his body trying to, you know, keep that promise, uh he um, needs more help than ever, and uh, and this game really offers, you know, through its through its character, through its narrative, through its story, a chance to explore that. Uh, uh, so th that's what I think I was doing. <laughs> it certainly sounds like you have a, a great grip on the character, which uh, I mean, you've been playing him for a few years now, almost the better part of a decade at this point, I suppose. Um, this game is a direct sequel to 2014's uh, The New Order, uh, but the timeline in this series it gets a little funky because there's a lot of jumping around. Can you kind of explain where we are in the timeline of events for this new upcoming game, The New Colossus? Well, I think it's fair to say that since you see, uh, and again, if, if uh, you know, Nick, like, uh, ring the bell if I'm doing anything wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that <laughs> these elements are out there. Um, you know, and I've, I've heard Jens talk about this. We're picking up where, um, you know, uh, BJ, you know, kind of said, you know, do it, detonate, hit the spot. And, and you know that, uh, that, that moment, that, that incredible climax, which was also the end of the other game. Right. We're really meeting you right there. Um, uh, we all join up again right there, and whoever we all is and what that becomes is, um, you know, catalyzes in the shape BJ is in and other things and what the team needs and um, and what that uh, nuclear moment was or wasn't. Uh, you know, all of those elements kind of catalyze this next story. So in many ways, we're literally picking up where we left off. Gotcha. Uh, I like that you said uh, the state that BJ's in, because one of the the things that stuck out the most from uh, the trailers is that wheelchair <laughs> segment that we saw. Uh, can you speak a little bit about that? I think this might be the first time I've ever seen a first-person shooter in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That 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 was um, that's just what an what a what a fun kind of um, you know level and uh, what an interesting way to express your. Um, you know, a restriction or a, you know, a problem that you're trying to overcome, but adding a, you know, it's so difficult uh, to get a player in first person, but, but this is our challenge, right, to feel uh, particularly physical uh, feelings and sensations, right? That's not where we are, and that's not what's, so 
there's a chance to kind of for things to break down there. And what's really exciting is that BJ in that wheelchair, it, it's you know that that approach to combat and that approach to moving through that space and reminding the player of the the state that he's in and the the state change that he's experienced and what he needs to overcome. And you know the the again the guns are an aspect of that, but. This is a health problem, and this is also a restriction on his movement and other things. So, using the this uh, setting and uh, moving, along, you know, kind of combat and puzzle put together in a kind of interesting way, and at the same time um, expressing that problem that he has physically, which also is breaking him down mentally uh, because he can't. Um, because he can't be his, you know, his uh, full expression of his, of himself, right? Uh, kicking ass and taking names, shooting, stabbing, <laughs> and strangling Nazis, right? So, um, so I, I think all those things feel seem kind of. Uh, I would, you know, as a gamer myself, and somebody who works on other games and de- and plays other games and develops other games in front and behind, like, I think it's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it blows my mind, and, and I, I'm I'm just really impressed, and just happy to be some tiny little part of um, stuff like that. Uh, I've talked to Brian a little bit about his character and about the game, but this is also a, um, a kind of a big step up for Frau Engel as well, because you're you're the main antagonist in this upcoming game. Uh, so, can you give us a little? We've seen her in past games. Can you give us a little like up to date where she is now in the timeline of uh, New Colossus? Yes, uh, I think this is all about revenge. And um, BJ, they killed that he killed Booby, my you know my boy toy, if you can, you want to call it like that. Uh, so, uh, and I think she is all about revenge and fighting. So, and he's a very strong enemy. And so, it's not only chasing him, but there's also a personal fun I think for her to chase someone as strong as him. Like a state enemy, I think you can see that in any dictatorship, or they always have that one strong guy they want to track down, and I think that is BJ for her. Right. Uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, the context, the socio-political context that this game is being released in, and it, it seems a particularly timely uh, moment for this game to be released, uh, particularly here in America. But as a, as a German yourself, what's it like to have to... You're not really reliving anything, but this is a something that is maybe more personal to someone of a German national nationality to to deal with issues about Nazism. Uh, what's it like to approach that as an actor? It is personal. Uh, it's also personal for me. It's my father is Jewish and my mother is German, and in the past, you know, there, there was a general, a German general on the mother's side. And there have been uh, Jews trying to survive in Poland on the father's side, so I was very, the, the subject was really close to me. Um, and I had done a lot of research to understand my own past, and I've been to Auschwitz and, and all that. But I think, uh, as an actor, what convinced me was the script. And I really liked the script of uh, that I was given, and that character, it, I think the script was, for me, very close to Inglorious Bastards. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'm you know, getting the choice to play the same role uh, like Christoph Waltz in a in a in a, in a feminine form uh, with the boy toy. So I think that's that's interesting. And then you go deeper into history, and I researched a lot. You know, the perpetrators, and I usually don't play them. Uh, I, I'm usually, although I, I speak German and that's my background, mm-hmm. I usually p- play the resistance, and they always ask me to play French or you know, right. But in a video game, that's the amazing thing. You can alter a face, and um, and that was also an amazing chance to step into a character like that. I've loved the uh, comparisons to Inglorious Bastards, A, because I'm a big fan of that film, who isn't? It's a great movie. Uh, but also because the film's kind of fun, and it, it has a lot of humor to it, and these games do as well, even though they're dealing with these heavier issues. But these games are... Uh, when I told somebody I was talking about this game today, they... We're like, oh, I love those games. They're bananas because these games are just over the top and craziness. And I, I imagine it, it's fun because the material you get to work with as an actor is so. It seems there's a lot of freedom and a lot of your own personal voice can be injected into these because they are just big characters who also have uh, 
Brian mentioned it a little bit, they are uh, more three-dimensional characters, but there seems to be a lot of meat for you guys to work with on these scripts. I, but I also think it's the combination. I mean, I have to say that Emily Schreiber did an amazing, amazing job. I mean, she's, and Tom Keegan, the director, they get so incredible actors uh, from everywhere, and they really, really track them down. And you have people who are able to do all the stunts and, and are really good movie actors. And um, and then I think the freedom that Jens gave us to really develop ca characters and the rehearsal process um, brings out a lot. It, it, for me, it's, uh, it's sometimes like a theater production. And, um, and also I, I think it has a lot to do with, with the guys and the actors who did this game. Um, it speaks for them that they give us the freedom and that they let us develop characters and and I brought in a lot of historical background and, and you know and I asked Jens can I try that out and I had to understand a lot about the technical mm -hmm. um, aspects of games because you know how what can you do because the audience is a is basically it's, it's an audience of one and what can you do with the player it seems if you have someone you know but if you have someone with grind just to act together it's just so amazing because uh, I can just feed from everything that he's doing. So I think that was the amazing experience of this particular game. So that was one of my questions then. Were you guys working together on a stage? You know, the technology has taken off so much for this uh, for this mocap and like how they record games. So are you guys really acting against each other? You know what's amazing about that um, is, uh, so, you know, he we not only were working uh, together, Tom, Tom's, you know, when we were shooting, um, you know, this is really essentially theater in the round, the, w the way we do it. Um, so all of our takes are essentially masters. If, if uh, our, our listeners and audiences, and uh, I'm sure, you know, everybody here knows what that is. Um, for those who don't, we're doing the scene straight through all the way, right? And uh, we do it every time. And it is shot from every angle and all at once. Uh, and the cinematography sort of happens later. So we really have a chance to harness uh, chemistry. And, um, and Tom's approach, as Nina was mentioning, and Yen's approach is, uh, you know, we're doing table reads and we're discussing and, and we're getting together sort of um, off campus to discuss our characters and talk about our scenes and and look for our motivations or intention and see if, if what people are doing is jiving. And we're, we're, we, we really worked uh, together in many cases. Um, we didn't just uh, get a call like in the old days and show up, which also rendered some, some amazing uh, um, work. Um, and, and no, no disrespect, uh, just that, you know, we didn't just show up at a, a booth and get, go to a microphone and in a vacuum and in a box, uh, <laughs> Say lines with really cool voices. Drink and some camera that, and, and have and have right and have people kind of uh, edit those things together and 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 Frankenstein uh, patchwork quilt right. uh, and hardly anybody does that anymore. But it is awesome that um, we got to do this in I, I think what you know sort of the most contemporary slash modern you know proverbially. Um, techniques uh, and processes, uh, you know, to, to put this forward. Mm -hmm. And I think it renders some great, incredibly human results. For all the technology and ones and zeros that games are, um, we have more opportunity than ever to put the human factor back in because we're still just people uh, in those black sealskin suits with the dots. Uh, <laughs> we can't draw on costume or set, really. We're holding PVC pipe for guns. We've got... The, the sets are not really sets. We've got some basic doorways and markers for windows or drawers or tables or maps if they're going to be used. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, we're uh, pulling it from each other. They're you know, all past the camera and the light in your face. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, a, it's a totally trippy thing. So what I'm saying is you got to use, it's got to come from the inside, and it's also got to come from the chemistry uh, from the heart of the other people you're working with. And we're working with people like Nina and Tom and the amazing cast we had. A lot of that happened. 
I mean, these are full-on productions at this point. I mean, like, these really are performances that you're doing. It's not just voiceover like it used to be. Uh, that's why, for me, I'm not sure how closely you were involved with this or how closely you were following it, but the uh, the video game Actor Strike, which just came to an end with a victory for you guys, uh, were you involved in that? Was that any... Because a lot of those things that were being said in that strike, I was, I was shocked by how a lot of these actors have been treated and how they were kind of kept in the dark on a lot of projects. Did you encounter any of those types of things on any projects that you worked on? Did this feel like a victory for you as somebody who works in this uh, industry? I didn't encounter it. For me, that was the first video game I ever did. And uh, I, you know, I, I had no clue how that, that would work out. And I was amazed. I'm a big fan of this kind of work right now. Um, and of all, because of all the aspects, yeah, because I believe it needs really good performers, uh, especially of all the things that Brian just said. Um, and I think because I had this amazing experience and I was treated so well and paid well, <laughs> then um, I didn't experience uh, the the stress and things other people had gone through. Like, uh, I never came in, you know, to a point where I was physically so exhausted or that my voice was so... Um, uh, uh, you know, strained from, from, from working on the game. It was the opposite. I felt I was really great. It was like a theater process, and and it was not, I was not used, and I had the feeling that the people I was working with had uh, been really um, conscious and cautious about that. So I did not have uh, any of these experiences, but I followed uh, everything the people did at the Screen Actors Guild. I went to some of their events, and... Um, but that's the only thing that I can say about that from my personal experience. Nick, I, I, I would say, Patrick, that, um, you know, uh, the short answer is fr from the moment I had uh, the, the opportunity to work on, on this side of the voiceover and interactive media, uh, it has been a beautiful experience since the first dance. Um, and I, uh, for you know, I, I understand that there are some people who wanted to storm the castle. That was not, um, that has not been my experience or my reaction. I'm glad to see it uh, resolved in a quote-unquote victory and. Uh, I hope people can get back to work and, and start making awesome stuff again. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that you guys both had positive experiences because, honestly, your work does resonate with a lot of people, so I'm glad that we can celebrate and that you guys can continue doing it and that you're enjoying what you do. Uh, let's end on a, a more fun note on the game. Uh, are there any particular scenes that you guys can hint at that you're particularly excited for fans to get their hands on? <laughs> All the ones that we're excited for you to get your hands on are the ones we can't even hint at. No! <laughs> but let's say that, uh, you know, I think, you know, I don't want to uh, even put a spoiler on what Nina's about to say, but I, 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 cause I can see her face here. She can't see <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, listen, there are some epic kind of moments in this thing, and there are some unbelievable um, face there is some incredible face time between these characters that is kind of long overdue, let's say. And uh, they encounter each other, and uh, they tend to resolve conflict through violence. Uh, and they see, and as Nina said, uh, these are two individuals, along with their respective teams and families, um, who uh, probably are seeking out each other because they both need not only to cut the head of the snake, but to face the person that's the best kind of counter and opposite um, that validates their existence. And I know for her, as, as Nina just said, for, for Frau Angle, that's incredibly true. For BJ, it's a lot more head of the snake and, uh, and end the, the, the face of, of this thing. So you're going to have a blast uh, as these two hunt each other, that's for sure. I, mean, I, I also could see that there are comments, you know, on, on what you can already see on the trailer that is out, what, what's going on between, um, uh, for Engel and her daughter, uh, uh, Alyssa Preston, um, who plays Sigrun, on his, she's amazing and she's an opera singer and it was just a, so much fun to work with her, but we really got into all that, you know, how would, that fat shaming and all these things that I'm doing with her, um, 
and I, I, I already saw that people have a reaction to that, and it was an amazing process. We even went to the theater and, and had a rehearsal together with Tom and Jens, and really went far. What a narcissistic mother can do to a poor daughter like that, because a narcissist like Engel is, you just see your kid as an extension of yourself. So right. if she's fat, that means I'm fat. If she's weak, I'm weak. And we went far, and it's, uh, you know, and I, I also see that it resonates with people because people experience that kind of bullying in their, you know, and and that's what I like about this game. It brings in more and more things, you know, in the storytelling, um, in storytelling that, that people can relate to. Um, and, um, and it was an amazing experience for us to, you know, in the rehearsal process. And it's, again, also amazing to work with Alyssa because we could go really far with, with this topic. And, um, but I also think that uh, an audience relates to that, you know, and, and I found that interesting in, in some of the comments. So I don't know if, that, you know, if I contribute with this little... With it, with that, to to your question. Oh no, absolutely! I think you guys have have teased it up about as much as you can. I can't wait to get my hands on this game. All right, well, thank you very much, Brian and Nina, for joining me. I really appreciate your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I'm very excited for this game. I cannot wait to see what is in store for everybody who picks it up. That's great. I feel the exact same way, man. I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my copy as soon as I can. If I have to buy it, I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> I hope you can at least get a copy. Jeez. <laughs> I'm sure I will. Everybody's been so kind and generous with that. I'm only playing. Uh, yeah, man, we can't wait. And thanks for uh, thanks for your time and being interested in talking to us. Of course, absolutely. Thank you so much, everybody. It's great to see like real actors in video games now. You know, like we've been lucky enough to have a couple on the podcast. You know, between Susan Eisenberg and Phil Lamar, who's been one of my favorite actors almost my entire life. You know, these people, they're incredible. Like, they, what they do is, they're artists. And, you know, I'm glad that the, the strike ended the way it did, but a lot of these people don't get the respect that they deserve for the work that they're doing. And you really have to understand what they're doing, essentially. Like, they're in a room by themselves bringing these characters to life that you're basically playing for 20 hours. Right. So this isn't like a movie where you're just getting, like, a two-hour stint of a character you're playing this character for 20 to 40 hours and a lot of the times these characters have these one-liners that could either be come off extremely well or come off extremely horribly so it, it i have a lot of respect for these these um for the craft i have a lot of respect for the craft oh now you sound hollywood the craft Mm, the process. I, I, I pulled out my Hollywood word there. All right. Well, there are a lot of other games in the gamosphere this week. One of which is Cuphead, uh, which actually came out last week. But you got your hands on it, Eddie. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, and I'm actually kind of afraid to play Cuphead because you it's, shouldn't you know, be afraid. It's like the hardest game in the world, is what everyone's saying. I wouldn't say the world. It's really about. If you played like any Dark Soul game, you should have a good time playing Cuphead because it's really just memorizing the sequences of what these bosses are um, shooting attacks at you. So once you basically memorize what the what sequence these bosses are going to be shooting, the, oh god, I just repeated that twice. So <laughs> once you memorize that, you'd be fine. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like it didn't take. It's not frustrating or it's not very intense because it is a very intense game. I was sweating last night. Do you wear like a you wear like wristbands and like a headband? Yeah, I got my short stretch? shorts out, so I don't like it too hot. I don't want to chafe or anything like that. So do you do those little arm circles that you did in like gym school before you pick up the controller? No, you have to. You don't want to hurt yourself. That's true. Safety first, kids. You like you have to. Okay. So as somebody, I played a lot of Super Meat Boy, which for me was very difficult and seems. It's a much different type of game, but it is that, like, try, try, try until you finally get it. Is mm -hmm. it similar in difficulty to Super Meat Boy, or is it yeah. harder even than that? Yeah, it, I, would, I would say it's similar to Super... It's a hard game. It's a hard game, it, and you have to go into it knowing, like, super, like a Super Meat Head, that you're not just going to fly through this. So if you're the type of person that gets frustrated easily, I wouldn't buy Cuphead. But if you're the type of person that's patient, you like learning mechanics of games, 
you like beautiful games, you like engaging music to games, I would pick it up. But just know that it is very difficult. But also know that that doesn't take away from the game. The, the game's a 10 out of 10. Like, Ooh. it's a great, fantastic game. It's a, it's, it does everything that video games are supposed to do. And I love the story. The story is very simple. You are essentially, and I come from Nevada, so you sell your soul um, to the devil. What is Nevada? During a high stakes poker game. Ah, there we go. During a high stakes poker game. <laughs> it's just like so simple. And it has like, you know, this overreal map, like Mario. So you go to your different stages, and that's right. how you select the bosses you want to fight. Everything's kind of, you have like a selection of four or five bosses that you can start from the beginning. I've beat four of them, I've gotten all D pluses and C minuses. It's one of those games where I, I will take a C. You know how some games will grade you based on your performance? Yeah. I'm getting I'm getting nothing but Ds and Cs, and I'm fine with that. Ds get degrees, Eddie. Ds get degrees. I hate that saying. Don't say that again. <laughs> um, so, I like it. But I'm also a person that likes your Dark Souls-type games. I enjoyed Bloodborne. I enjoyed Neo that came out, N-I-O-H. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Those are both hard you have to be smart before you go into it. You have to really study your environments, but it's rewarding once you once you complete it. Well, it's sold really well too, so you're definitely not alone in your liking of the game. Also, well, I sold mean, over a hundred thousand copies on Steam already. Oh, it's on Steam. Okay, because I was about to say you and I could come out with like a side-scrolling adventure on Xbox Small, and it'll probably sell well because there's nothing to buy on Xbox right now. Well, that's my next project. It's going to be called. Battle planes, and it's about you being inside of a Southwest plane, and you're trying to battle airlines. Get it right. Is that what it was? I'm sorry. Damn, yeah, battle airlines. And that's why you'll be in charge of marketing. Okay, I got it. And make then, America's airlines free again, or will we get in trouble for that? Or make make American airlines just throw the word Nazi accessible in there. again? I don't care how you get Nazi in there. Just get a Nazi in there. <laughs> throw making America airlines accessible for Nazis again. <laughs> there, there you go. go. Perfect. Some million copies go. sold. This is a really weird game. I don't really understand what they're trying to do. I forgot what we were talking about. Yeah, so yeah, Cuphead. It, it's, it's challenging. I mean, I, I seem like I'm cold on it, but I'm really not. I'm really just like, if you are a gamer, mm -hmm. if you enjoy playing video games, go is it, it Is it multiplayer? Yeah. Like, I, so I can play, like, local multiplayer, sit down with somebody else, and we can go through, like, I believe so, yeah. Because okay. that's kind of yeah. what I need out of, like, a platformer game. So that's such to a play with someone to carry you? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. I, I, I don't judge that. People carry me in Destiny all the time. I don't judge you at all. Yeah, so. I'm amazing at Destiny, so... Cuphead's the type of game that if you're carrying someone and they mess up a little way, I would I would kill them. Yeah, it's, it it's one of those games that's just, like, the smallest thing. Like, I was playing this game at, like, 11 o'clock last night, and I would get to, like, my last, like, hit on a boss, or, like, to the very end of the boss and die. And I would just be like, My mother Afrah! You would just hear me throughout the house. So I had multiple text messages, like, is everything okay? I'm like, yes, shut up. Everything's fine. <laughs> Did someone die? I'm playing video games. No. The only issue I have with the game, because it looks amazing, the art is incredible, it seems like it's fun, it's challenging, it pushes you to the limit. This is the one thing I can't get over, is that no one drinks out of a teacup with a straw. Why do they have straws in their head? Is that a dressed um, in the I game? recently, okay, here we go, we're going to get into this. I recently started drinking my coffee with a straw. It has uh. opened up my eyes to different um, things. You're drinking hot coffee with a straw? It, I I used to hate people that do it, but I've started doing it, and it is something... <sighs> I can't think of any hot liquid that I would take in through a straw. I'm trying to think of it's, one hot liquid that I would want in a straw form shooting into my mouth. It's not bad, especially like if you're on the road and you don't want to spill it everywhere. You just pop that straw in there and just, you know gulp it up while you're driving. It's good. It's, it makes it work. And if you're smart about it, you don't burn your mouth either. You're a monster. I'm an American. <laughs> I'm, I want I'm my coffee now. I want it fast. I'm a goddamn Steve Jobs. Pretty soon all our coffee cups are going to have goddamn straws on it. If you heard that Steve Jobs drank coffee with a straw, it would not be surprising at all. You'd probably, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he probably does most things with a straw, right? Well, nowadays. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much coffee Steve Jobs is drinking. Well, one question I had, because it's just uh, an Xbox exclusive, which is like two words that don't even really exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, how does it, I mean, how does it do as an exclusive? Like, do you think it's going to bump up anything for Xbox at all? Is it that good of a game? No. 
right? Like, it doesn't really feel like it moved the needle as much as, especially for how long we've been waiting for this game. If Cuphead was released on Switch, it's a, it's a console seller, right? Right. But this is your Xbox One. This is your Halo. This is your Halo machine, essentially. Mm-hmm. This is your Bungie machine. This is the same machine that's been popping out, like, some of the best-selling AAA games of all time. And you're, you're giving me an indie title that should be $20 at the console seller? Get out of here. Yeah. I love Cuphead. I love Cuphead. But it's, like I think we talk, said it on the last podcast, it's an Xbox Live Arcade title, essentially. Right. It's nothing other than that. But, and you're going to act like this is a console seller? <laughs> how, how are you Microsoft and you don't have any exclusives? Like, do, are they just going insane and board meetings just screaming at people? Like, the day that Horizon Zero Dawn was released, do you think there was just, like, a slate of heart attacks across the Microsoft office? I don't know. You have Scalebound, which, sound, which sounded like it was going to be a fantastic little game that was going to be released on Microsoft only, but then they just, like, you know, gave that up. You have Crackdown 3, which is supposed to be released sometime within the next 20 years. Who knows? Sea of Thieves. Okay. You also have State of Decay 2. All right. You also have Super Lucky's Tale. I think that comes out next month. Super Other than that, you got nothing, son. You have nothing. So I'm kind of like... Okay, I'm sorry. Forza came out this week. Forza is a big release for them. Forza is a... They're very, very good at what they do. They kind of took over Gran Turismo, and you have we have to applaud Microsoft for that. But other than that, they got nothing, man. Yeah, they really got nothing. They they just don't. And none of those games that you said, Forza included, even though I do agree with you, Forza's they're good games. Racing games are great. They have a crowd for them, but uh, they're not those benchmark series that you want. You know, like this is not going to move the needle on like a cultural level. You know, no. it's not some big event like a Halo is, or like uh, like Zelda was when it was released, or like even Horizon, which was like a brand new game out of nowhere, like no prior games to it. And it's still, like I can mention it to people who barely tangentially know video games, and they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. I mean, like, so this year, has Microsoft, I don't think Microsoft has released any exclusive. Microsoft has Forza Motorsport 5, Halo. The Rare Replay, I think that was a Microsoft exclusive. I think Rise, Son of Rome was a Microsoft exclusive. I could be wrong on that, because I think it might have been released for PC. And then maybe Sunset Overdrive. So since you've started, since this console has, um, how do you, how do you say that? Console life has taken, has start, since this console life has started, whatever you want to say it, they've only had like five games that have been exclusive, and none of those have really shaken the charts at all. Yeah. So at this point, what is Xbox doing releasing a slightly bumped up version of what they already have but why uh, that, that's my no question games. i wish i knew why am i gonna buy something if i don't have games to play on it so i can play sunset overdrive it's it's what's bad. going on microsoft i was like your number one supporter all these years like what's going on you're also you're microsoft you know like you're what are the biggest in the game? Like, how are you this far behind? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And it's, like, frustrating me because coming into this cycle of... Uh, coming under this generation, this cycle of generations... I think I said that right. I don't know how to say this. I don't know why I, why I can't say this right. I was, like, really looking forward to Xbox. But that list that I just read off compared to PlayStation's exclusives, PlayStation since it's... PlayStation 4 it had Infamous, Second Son, which was, I thought was an okay game. What else did they have? Like, Neo, I think, is a PlayStation exclusive. The Last Guardian. Until Dawn was an ex- a PlayStation exclusive. Bloodborne was a PlayStation exclusive. Horizon and Uncharted 4. So those are, like, really big games. Uh, and Uncharted 4 and Horizon themselves could beat any game that came out on Xbox. Easily, right? So, and I'm not trying to set up this whole, like, PlayStation versus Xbox, because I hate that, like, division, but still, like, oh my god, what's going on? I'm Like, what is going on? Not only that, uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's all of that, but then also all the big games, then, you have to factor this in, I guess, right? So, if you were, if I walk into a store and I'm like, what do I want to buy? Do I want to buy a PS4 or do I want to buy an Xbox One? Well, I can buy the PS4 and get all those games, plus all the big games that are coming out because they release them on both systems. So, like, why in the world would I buy an Xbox then? No, you better off be buying a Switch. Because at least with Switch, their exclusives are Splatoon, 
Zelda, which is the game of the year, right. Mario Odyssey, then you have all these indies that you can just pick up and go. I would I would probably recommend you buying a Switch over Microsoft uh, Xbox right now. So, Pat, yes. getting to the end of the podcast again. Aww. I've asked you in a couple of weeks because I don't care because you play games like, like 20 years old. What are you playing? Are you playing anything from this uh, decade? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. I'm playing Marvel oh. vs. Capcom. No, you're not! I am. I am playing Marvel vs. Capcom. You're Thank you very much. You're playing a game that I'm not playing. How do you... How, why didn't we open up with this? This was like a big release last week. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I'm also just surprised that I'm playing anything that you're not playing. Alright, come on. Give me, give me the review. What's up with Marvel vs. Capcom? Marvel vs. Capcom is like... I'm afraid that I'm going to have a seizure when I play it, and there's also a warning as soon as it starts that you might have a seizure. I don't have seizures. I'm not prone to it. I don't have epilepsy. But there's so much going on on the screen all the time that like, I'm genuinely concerned for my health. So is there... It's a story, right? Yes. I mean, Are you playing the story mode? Uh, I have a little bit. I haven't gone all the way through it. But I mean, it's, you... it's a story mode for like a fighting game. So. Did you play Injustice 2? I did not, no. Okay, but I was going to ask, how does it compare to Injustice 2? I only know from talking to the people that we've talked to about it and from talking to you that Injustice 2 kind of had a very strong storyline for a uh, fighting game. This oh, yeah. is not that way. That okay, doesn't make it a worse game. It's just it doesn't – It's don't play this game for the story. Okay, so I've seen a lot of people complain about it. Um and this is coming from someone who does it. You don't have an extensive... I'm not trying to step on your toes because you and I don't have extensive fighting game experiences. We talked about it in the previous how podcast. dare you? So as someone going into it who doesn't play a lot of fighting games, how does it... Is it, is it something that you can get your hands on? Is it, is it too overwhelming? Do you find yourself having to go back to menus to memorize buttons a lot? <sighs> how does it stack up? I think you can play it either way. I mean, like, there's people who are way better than me who will, you know, learn the combos and learn the special moves. But you can just hop into it and smash buttons. Okay. You know, the same way you would when, like, you had a Super Nintendo and you were playing Mortal Kombat. Like, you can just okay. pick it up and start playing. And it is pretty intuitive. I mean, like, it gives you a little rundown right before you start playing how to switch in your characters as they're going. Like, it's, it's not super complicated. It can be incredibly complicated. It's a fighting game, and there are people who can master it. But as far as for me right now, I just jumped in and started smashing the X button as much as possible with Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. But, like, art style. I've, I've heard a lot of people complain about the art style, which is kind of surprising. That's to me. astonishing How do, how do you feel about it? I think the art style is beautiful. I also think that it leans in... It's the Marvel comic books. It's not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it looks a lot like the Marvel comic books. The heroes look like the comic books. Okay. Okay. I like the cell shading that they do. It has that cool, like, matte, like, 2D, 3D combo thing going on. It's a beautiful game, and the colors are just astonishing. Like, I'm afraid it's going to blow out my TV because there's too many really? games. Yeah. And you've been playing on Xbox? I have been, yeah. Okay. And it's been, in, like you said, it's been a pretty easy game for you to get your hands on. Are you, like, learning some more combos, or are you just hitting, it, hitting X over and over again? Learning is, like... That's being way too kind to what I do. I smash a bunch of buttons. Every once in a while, something amazing will happen on the screen. I'll be like, oh my god, how did I do that? And then I'll try for the rest of the fight to try and figure out what I just did and end up losing. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have like so a yeah. notebook with like crib notes. Well, that's how I approach fighting games, which is kind of sad. Yeah, well, I, have, notes, I don't have like so. notes out, but like I'm constantly checking back into like trying to memorize these oh, how did I button do these? combos. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it gets to the point where it's just like, I don't want to do this. This is cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. I will not pick it up. Oh, all right. But I look forward to... Yeah, it's just like, there's so many fighting games no, right now. No, yeah, I feel you. It's kind of been... We've said this multiple times. It was sort of like the year of fighting games, so... Yeah, and it's like, I already picked up Injustice 2. I already picked up Absolver. I have, like, such a, like, multitude of fighting games right now. Mm. I just don't really... And I love, I love me some Marvel. Don't get right. me wrong. I love me some Capcom. Like, I'm not going to say I don't recommend it, because, like, I do, especially if you like these games. Like, I, I've enjoyed the game, and I think it plays really well, and it's beautiful. But at the same time, as somebody who's not a huge fighting game fan in the first place, like, I, I don't you don't need to spend your money on this game. Okay. 
All right, well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, join us next week. Uh, I don't think we have a guest lined up yet, but that might change. Uh, I want to give another big thank you to the stars of Wolfenstein 2, uh, the new Colossus, Brian Bloom and Nina Franozek, uh, for joining us. It was a very great conversation. I'm looking forward to the game. You can pick that up on October 17th for PS4, Xbox One, and for PC. I also want to thank you, Edmund, for talking to me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I think we are all converted, so you should be able to find us on the Donkey Kong Kings on SoundCloud. The Donkey Kong iTunes. Kings? iTunes. Yeah. Donkey Kong King. Donkey Kong Artist. My bad. <laughs> why do I... I uh, for some reason, I keep, when, I keep thinking our name is Donkey Kong Kings. I don't know why. I kind of like that, too, but... I think it's because I'm so arrogant that I think that we're kings because we're so good at everything that we do. That makes sense. But, sorry, we have converted everything to the Donkey Kong Artist... Donkey Kong Artist, D-O-N-K-E-Y, Con, K-O-N-A-R-T-I-S-T-S. Hopefully I spelled everything right. We should have a Gmail coming up pretty soon if you need to email us with any questions, clarifications, corrections, or if you just want to call me a bad name, go ahead. It's fun. I do it often. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. We love you. Goodbye. Love you. Bye-bye. Video game. Switch, you dummies. Talking about video games.